myself, if I ever had a physical product company, you need to invest in your patience of the growth of that relationship to the consumer. Because look at yourself, like you just bought a beach waiver. It's a high price point ish. You saw it for the first time years ago. And recently now through their consistency, through their, you know, infiltrating you at every step of the way, they finally got you to convert. Right. So yes, it does take a long time invest in the long term and know that it's a relationship. It's a relationship between a lot of things, between the journalist, between your consumer and relationships don't happen overnight. So you can't expect a PR strategy to, you know, kick off overnight either. Welcome back to Female Founder World. It's your host, Jasmine. And today's conversation is with my friend, Sophie Will. She's the founder of Nude Nation Relations, which is an agency that basically helps brands grow. Um, she has a really modern take on PR and marketing and so much great stuff to share, so many great tips if you want to grow or launch a company, which I think everyone listening probably wants to do. So I'll let Sophie tell you all about herself in her own words. So I'm Sophie Wheel, and I am the founder of Nude Nation Relations, which is a communications agency. And our role is really to just be able to get our clients, whether that's a physical product or a person, be seen and heard in organic media. And media has changed so much, as you know, in the past, you know, five years, literally to the last like month, you know, it's completely changed. But the role of our agency is basically to identify what the unique factors are for our client. Again, whether that's a physical product or a founder or an expert and position them in a way that really tells their story in the most organic and unique way to their brand in front of the right audience in a non-paid way. So the difference between us and a marketing agency, for example, even though marketing and PR definitely are crossing over a ton nowadays, but the difference between a marketing or advertising strategy versus a public relations strategy is that PR is the non-paid work. So everything that we do is via relationships. And back in the day, public relations would just mean getting in newspapers, magazines, you know, physical, tangible um, media. And now obviously that's changed. Now, now, Public relations really means getting on podcasts, getting on digital media, getting on different IG lives, all of those different things. So our agency focuses on figuring out what those differentiating factors are for our clients. What is it that sets them apart from their competitors? What is it that makes them shine? And why do they deserve to be seen and heard from their target demographic? And then clearly explain that story to either a journalist, an influencer, a podcast host, Literally any place that you can possibly think of that would be an organic placement for someone to talk about their brand or their expertise or their journey is what our role is. And obviously, like strategy is a huge part of what we do. But I think something that sets our agency apart also is the fact that we are very discerning with who our roster is, because it all starts from like how you even communicate that. Like if I, if our team is not seeing what you know the journalist needs to see, it's going to fall flat. So it starts with figuring out, you know, finding the right agency to partner with. If you're a founder listening, like find an agency that is really going to rally for you and believes in your product or you truly at your core, even on the days that you don't believe in yourself and that they're going to speak clearly about you and your product to other people, because that's the only way they're going to get consistency, which is the name of the game in 2021 and beyond is having a team that really wants to rally behind you. So 
that's what we try to do with our clients here at New Nation. Yeah, that's such a great like introduction into into what PR is. I really want to dig into your recommendations for people who are starting new businesses or trying to grow their businesses or thinking about whether or not to invest in PR. But before we go there, could you give a little bit more about your background, um, how we met? I feel like you can tell that story um, and where you are. And because, you know, you are like a total expert in the PR space, but you're also an entrepreneur yourself. So I think like that's really interesting because you kind of saddle both sides of this conversation. Totally. So I have been in PR pretty much my whole career. I started out at MTV in the press department, and then I worked at a few different agencies. Um, I got kind of like thrown into the thick of PR um, in, in the heyday that I talked about where like, you know, digital and tangible physical like magazine press was the name of the game. And it's just like so interesting to see from where I started to where it is today. And I'm sure that like other PR vets that have been around for 30 years are like, holy shit, it changes so much. But so my career has really always been in PR, but the focus or the niche that I've kind of like carved out for myself has evolved as I've, you know, grown and figured out what are the areas that I find to be my zone of genius and continue to hone the craft in that way. Also while, you know, the landscape has continued to change. So started out at MTV, then I worked for an agency, Shadow PR, an incredible boot camp into public relations. Um, I worked on a lot of hospitality brands, which have been great in terms of relationships. I still have so many relationships during that time. And, you know, the hospitality industry is still actually something that really interests me just because I feel like a lot of like hospitality owners are really passion driven. And so am I. So there's definitely something in there that I love, but the health and wellness industry was calling me like while I was at that agency from a personal perspective, I wanted to have clients that spoke to like what I needed at the time. Cause I, I was definitely drained from, you know, being in hospitality and especially when you're at the bottom of the totem pole in public relations and relationships being the number one thing you have to be out entertaining all the time. And when your clients are clubs, like you can see how that gets really exhausting. So I went on to work for Azioni, which is an incredible agency also. And at the time they were very niche in the health and wellness space, which that's the agency where I met you at because Bari, the trampoline exercise workout class that was in Tribeca, it's no longer, but um, was my client. And I brought you while you were, I think, an editor at Stylecaster. Yep. Yep. And I brought you to try a trampoline class. What it was, I mean, honestly, that experience was incredible. And also, again, because it was like the health and wellness spike happened at the same time of me working there, I was able to create so many incredible long-lasting relationships, which are, again, the foundation of any good PR pro. So um, those two agencies were incredible. And then I think towards my towards the end of my time at Azioni, I really started to see I mean, the space has been changing literally like on a month to month basis for the past, like, I don't know, however many years. But I really started to see a difference in the cadence of digital press and it not meeting like the expectation of the client, but needing to do all of these other things to be able to keep up with the digital press demand. So that meant doing more experiential work, doing more influencer marketing. And this was in 2015, I think, or 16. So it was definitely not something that was a full build out. People didn't have like influencer marketing 
teams, like social media editors did not exist to give you context of like how it was absolutely not a thing, but I just saw the space moving in that direction. And I was, I was doing experiential work for our clients. That was not even part of our scope because I knew that in order to even get a journalist excited about doing anything, I was like, we have to be doing more experiential things in order to even get the attention of the journalist. Right. So I wanted to hone the experiential and influencer side of the work more while staying in the health and wellness space. So I went and worked for an experiential company and did a lot of fitness programming, a lot of programming work. And then we had the PR services kind of like, because I started working there, be an add-on, but really experiential was like the component, like the the main component of what that experiential company did and did incredible work. I worked with um, Deepak Chopra does this like three-day retreat and we did a full build out for that. And then also did press for that. We did all of the fitness programming out in Gurney's and Montauk, the partnerships that came along with that, as well as the press. So it was very like holistic, well-rounded, you know, it was a smaller team. And at the, at the time I was like, okay, I'm really enjoying all these different facets of what I'm doing, but I was getting the itch. I've always, I think I've always had an entrepreneurial itch, if I'm being honest, but like I was getting it more and more so there because I think that my limiting belief at the time was that I didn't understand the finances behind starting your own thing. Right. So like I think that like that's a huge hurdle for a lot of people. It's like you don't really understand the back end. You don't understand how much things cost or how much employees cost or, you know, all of those different things. And because it was a smaller team, I was privy to that information and figured I it was now or never kind of in my mind, I was like, I'm young. I don't have children. I can take the leap. I know where my safety nets are and I feel ready. I mean, as ready as I could, I mean, you never feel like hundred percent ready, but I felt as ready as I possibly could be because I had high level understanding of like what to charge and how to, you know, bucket out what my roster would look like in order to actually be able to pay rent. That was my first goal is like, literally like, what do I need to do to pay rent? Yeah. <laughs> And then grow it from there. But I think that just like education is everything. Like really just knowing how the business ran at that small experiential agency made it very clear to me that I was able to do it for myself. And then also like the biggest thing of why I wanted to start my agency was because I always figured like if I had my own product, like I would want to hire me to do it because I know that I would want to do it in the experiential way, in the podcast route, in the Instagram, like all these different things. I was like, I would want to hire I mean, me. I've hired yeah. you. So <laughs> yeah, exactly. You know, I can vouch for that as well. Like you have so you have a really interesting perspective on PR that I think a lot of the bigger agencies don't have in that you understand really where audiences are and where they're engaged and that um, it can be important to get featured in like a, you know, a big masthead, but that's not necessarily what's going to drive uh, conversions if that's going to be a high priority for a client. So could you, you know, give us a little bit of an overview about what some of these things are that are really pushing the needle in terms of like earned media that weren't really around or that not a lot, all agencies are thinking about at the moment? So something I do personally and I do with my team constantly, because I'm going to say this throughout the whole podcast, it is changing very quickly. So you have to be very clear and very alert as to what's happening in the space. But I am constantly asking myself and my team, how are you learning about products? Like, what is it that you are seeing that is converting you? When you're going to click to buy something, track back all of the different steps that got you to that purchase point, because that all of those different points 
is what we need to be doing and activating on our for our clients on a consistent basis. And consistency, again, is the name of the game. Back in the day, like to speak to like what used to work, you know, you would get a feature in the New York Times and your business was solid for three years, right? Nowadays, sure. I mean, I've had clients that are featured in the New York Times. Sure, they see a slight, you know, bump in sales, but that is not going to carry your business. What's going to carry your business is having a really clear, like, you know, overarching message to share and share it in as many relevant platforms to your brand on a consistent basis. So we are constantly trying to hit our clients on podcasts, Instagram live, doing IG lives with other founders, obviously the digital and, you know, having those top tier mastheads like cover your brand are important in terms of credibility. You know, like think of how you think of how you buy a product. Like if you see your favorite influencer talking about a teeth whitening company, for example, and you're like, Oh, that, that looks cool. You look it up on Google and then you see that the, the first three things that you're seeing on your Google search are, I tried this teeth whitening company and it made my smile the best it's ever been. Then you see Allure have it in their best of beauty. And then you see, I don't know who, what, where, whatever, you know, just have you, you see three credible sources speaking to this product that helps with building that credibility and trust with the consumer. And maybe that's not even the point at which the consumer actually purchases. Maybe then, you know, they're going about their day and they are looking at an Instagram live with someone speaking about that product. Right. So then at that point, they might be triggered to, to, to actually purchase, but it does take being in front of them consistently to actually move the needle with them. And then also, I mean, in terms of PR and like, I hate like the move the needle conversation is a really hard, it's one of the things that I try to tackle every single day in my business on trying to explain what does moving the needle in PR actually mean? It's a really hard thing to quantify. And in terms of like spending, you know, for a PR agency, it's really hard to explain to someone that like all of these different top of funnel points for your consumer are not something that are necessarily, you're not going to be able to track it in the back end. You know, like think about your, think of yourself, you know, when you, when you're buying something, you're seeing the founder speak on this panel, you're seeing your three favorite influencers talking about it. You heard about them on a podcast. You heard them do an ad spend on a podcast, all these different things. Like who's to say one of those things is what happened. It's the, the cloud of all of those things happening at the same time on a consistent basis that actually move the needle. But again, the move the needle like formula has yet to be discovered. You know, it's not like a specific thing. It's really testing and trying what works for your demographic. Maybe your demographic is a podcast listener and you need to be focusing on podcasts fully, right? But maybe you do need a mix. Most most of the brands that I see be successful are the ones that are hitting all of the different organic avenues just consistently in a way that speaks truly to their overall mission. I think what you, um, the way that you phrase it there, where it's like, think back to what you did before you purchased an item is such a good way of thinking about it, particularly if you are representative of the target market that the brand is chasing, which I think a lot of founders are, they're kind of filling a need that they noticed. Um, so that's such a good way of thinking about it that I haven't heard before. Well, think, I mean, let's do the exercise right now for the buff, like I mean, think, think of yourself. Like if you're buying a serum, what's the last beauty product that you bought? Mm, oh gosh, probably my C for look acid by SkinCeuticals, which I'm, you know, I'm a customer of, but, um, it's a hard one, I guess, because I come across stuff through like press releases and gifting and that kind of thing, which isn't like the typical user or like consumer journey, but, oh, um, my beach waiver. Your beach waiver. Mm. Okay. Amazing. Can you track back all the times that you've seen beach waiver? Yeah. I mean, 
I think it's probably went back when they did that Victoria's Secret show was the first time that I saw them. And then just seeing influencers, I think, on their stories using it. How long ago was that? Years ago. Years ago. Okay. So this is to show also like when when if founders are listening and you're thinking about investing in PR, and I'm not even just saying this because I'm the owner of an agency in PR, but I just myself, if I ever had a physical product company, you need to invest in your patience of the growth of that relationship to the consumer. Because look at yourself, like you just bought a beach waiver. It's a high price point ish, right? Yeah. You saw it for the first time years ago. And recently now through their consistency, through their, you know, infiltrating you at every step of the way, they finally got you to convert. Right. So yes, it does take a long time. And you know, something I was talking to one of my clients, who's actually an expert in influencer marketing that you're having on this podcast. I'm very excited for you to talk to her is the fact that with this iOS update on Apple phones, it rocked a ton of companies to the core. Like they lost their business essentially because they were acquiring customers through the way that the iOS system was, you know, done before through paid on uh, Instagram, Facebook, et cetera. If your brand is rocked from an iOS update, you do not have a brand. You do not have one. You need to create a moat around your business so that an Instagram algorithm update, an iOS update, any of those things happen, that doesn't affect your business that much. That should be important and an important thing to know, and it should be a line item of what you're focusing on. But your ride or die community, like the way that you actually build that brand is doing consistent things that are speaking to and filling a need and a void for your consumer. And a paid ad doesn't necessarily do that. That is an important thing to do, but it's not the thing that's going to have your business survive and thrive for a long period of time. So again, invest in the long term and know that it's a relationship. It's a relationship between a lot of things, between the journalist, between your consumer and relationships don't happen overnight. So you can't expect a PR strategy to, you know, kick off overnight either. So many of the conversations that I've been having with founders have all kind of come back to this idea of relationships and network and how important that is to A, who you launch to, who's going to support your business. And that really the people that I speak to who are have a long-term vision for a brand that they want to um, stand the test of time are really investing in relationships and network. And I think that that's exactly what PR is. It's building like a real solid community around your business. 1000%. And back to what I said before is like when you're, when you're working with an agency, making sure that they are diehard because when they're having these editor meetings, like if it's, you know, an agency, they're speaking to all their brands. Like you want them to light up when they're talking about your brand, because that translates immediately with an editor. Like, you know, genuinely, if I'm like obsessed with, like, I literally just spoke about one of my clients who I'm genuinely obsessed with. She is an influencer marketer. And I, I believe in her wholeheartedly. You want your partner because you're obviously a founder. You're wearing a million hats. Like you don't have the time or luxury to be, you know, in relationship meetings all the time, even though I still would prioritize it. If I ever had a physical product company, I would still 100% prioritize relationships, but you do need, you know, a partner to help you just be in different places at different times. You just want to make sure that the people that you're partnering with believe in you as much as you believe in yourself or more, because the way that they communicate that really translates and actually gets a journalist or someone to try it if they light up talking about it. What are some other things that early stage founders should be thinking about when they're deciding whether or not to partner with an agency or with a freelancer or bring someone on board full time um, to help with PR? It's a really good question. 
there is no amount of good PR that can fix a bad product. So if your product is not in a good, solid, proven place, do not invest in PR. The only way that it's going to work is if the product is exceptional, if it's better than the competition. And if you have a bigger story or something that's differentiating about you that could, you know, crack through the noise, there is so much noise. So if your product isn't there, I would not do it. I, I think that there's a lot of value in launching and learning and, you know, doing your own PR in your own way and seeing internally what's working and, you know, really actually taking note, like, where am I getting these purchase orders from? Like, where are people learning from me? So that when you go to your agency, you can say like the majority of our customers are coming through here. That helps so much for an agency to, to figure out how they want to craft their strategy. We don't see the back end of a lot of our clients' websites. Like we don't know. So Definitely, you know, making sure that you have an understanding and maybe that is pre-launch, maybe pre-launch, you have already figured this out and you know that your product is excellent and it's ready to compete in press, but you're pro you, like, there's no, there's just no good enough PR strategy that can outdo a bad product, if that makes sense. So number one is making sure that your product is amazing. Number two is also like figuring out what your goal is with PR. Is, is it really just to gain awareness and get more customers? Or are you fundraising? You know, every time that I bring on a client, I'm, I'm like, I need you to be as honest with me as possible because that changes the trajectory of how we're going to go about this. Are you first looking to fundraise? If that's the case, the outlets that I'm going after are very different because I know what you need to go to an investor meeting with, you know? So that's very different than if you're trying to get in front of Gen Z, right? So being really clear on what your goal is, is going to dictate the next steps. So that's another really big one. And that clarity, like, like we can do exercises to get you there, but like the founder needs to know what that clarity is. And that also dictates like how the client or the founder will, will ultimately see APR partnership as success or failure. You can't say what's successful or what's a failure if you don't even know what your goal is. So being really clear on what that is helps for, you know, a strong relationship with an agency. Yeah. And then also like, just like with the overarching message, if you have like any experts, like that's an area that I think people sleep on a lot. It's like making sure that you're consistently out there and leveraging as many people on your team as you possibly can. I mean, look at TikTok now, like a lot of brands are using talent that are not the founder that are just like someone that works within the space to be kind of the face of brand. like leverage your team, leverage everyone around you. Because again, consistency and being out there in as many different mediums as possible is what moves the needle. So a little bit of all of that. But at, at the core, the main things are really like you can't outdo a bad product. You have to have a fabulous product. There has to be things to back it up. You should definitely plan on having product to gift to journalists and influencers at the bare minimum. Again, once your product is solid and know what your goals are with PR. Okay, that's awesome advice. And then the last question that I like to ask everyone who comes on this show is just for a recommendation, something that's helped you along um, to grow your business, whether it's a book, a podcast, um, someone that you follow on TikTok, anything that you can recommend to others. Okay, this is a recent recommendation. I'm actually not even finished with this book, but I am like two thirds of the way in and I feel like it's already helped me tremendously with my business. It's called Building a Story Brand by Donald something. Oh, I haven't heard this name. one yet. I cannot recommend this book enough. If you are looking to market your brand or if you are a publicist or a marketer looking to get your client's message out there, 
it is so clear. It, it, it was clear to me that I, you know, I think that I'm an expert in the space and I had so much to learn from this space. I was doing certain things in a way that doesn't actually work and switched it as I read the chapter and it immediately just, it just opened my eyes to a different way of looking at the space. So I really recommend that book. Um, oh, I listened to so many podcasts, to be honest. And you have your own podcast as well, which I think is a great one for anyone who's going through this. Thank you. Um, I do have my own podcast called Active Ingredient. Um, I definitely talk to a lot of founders about their journey to launching their own product. Sometimes they get more, you know, nitty gritty on the actual tactical thing. Sometimes it's more like their, you know, spiritual practice to get there. But my podcast, Active Ingredient, does a really good job in getting into like the core of it. I think the Fahrenheit podcast, Farron Weiner is a genius marketer. Her podcast is really, really strong. In terms of just like, I, I mean, this is like, I feel like a lot of people listen to this podcast, but the Skinny Confidential, I just love to hear how, you know, from the branding perspective, they have a lot of really good marketers and branders on there and brand builders on there. And I feel like I get a lot of inspiration from that podcast. What else? I, I also, because of the work that I do, a lot of the things that we do is case studies, which is also something I really recommend people do. Oh, interesting. One of the first things that we do with working with a client is doing case studies on their competitors and maybe not even their competitors, just someone or something that's in the space that we think could be a comparable trajectory on how, you know, they got the word out there, right? So it doesn't necessarily have to be like you have the buff. It doesn't necessarily have to be another jojoba line, but it could be, you know, a North Star that we see out there in the beauty space that is cracking through the noise in a really cool way. And seeing every single place that they're that they're in, seeing the cadence of how often they're in. And it's not to like look to your left and right to like copy the same thing, but it's just to get a really good understanding of what where the space is now and where you can play in. And then not copy pasting what that is, but just seeing what's out there and then seeing what resonates and feels like really good in your gut for your brand and where your customer is, I think has been really great. And so through that process, I mean, I read 8 million articles a day. I mean, we have a team practice of literally just going through the news. We post on our Nude Nation Instagram every day, the five top articles that we thought were relevant to the PR space. And we post that every single day at 5 p.m. Eastern on the Nude Nation Instagram. That's a great content series. Yeah. Thanks. Um, a bit every single morning. I mean, we send each other like in our internal slacks, like literally all day long. We're just like sending each other links that we should all be aware of. But yeah, those are some, if I think of any others, I'll send you links, but this playbook, uh, the story brand playbook is really, really good. I'm going to download that. And where can people find you if they want to connect with you, um, a little more? So Nude Nation's Instagram is at nude, N-U-D-E, Nation Relations. And then my podcast is Active Ingredient. You can listen wherever you listen to podcasts. We also have a cute little Instagram at Active Ingredient. And then my personal uh, Instagram is Sophie, S-O-P-H-I-E-I-W-E-I-L-L. Amazing. Thank you so much for coming on the show. Oh my God, of course. Thank you so much for having me. It's Jasmine again, guys, and I'm just jumping in to say, first of all, thank you for tuning in. Hope you really enjoyed the session. Um, if you did enjoy the interview, please leave us a five-star review. It helps us get more great guests just like Sophie. See you at the next episode. <laughs>